so short, yet results so long. How marvelous it is to have a hope, the blessed hope, where childlike faith reigns supreme, where Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory for all eternity. One of our brothers noted that if you added a billion years to eternity, it gets no longer. Likewise, if you subtract a billion years from eternity, it gets no shorter. No matter your circumstances, no matter your trials, no matter your finances or social relationships, no matter even when life itself escapes you, the blessed hope, Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, reigns supreme. And all it takes to access this hope is little baby faith that worketh by love. God's judgment is coming upon the children of Israel because of their sin, and the situation is very bleak. The prophet writes in Habakkuk chapter three, sixteen through 19, When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at the voice, rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops." Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places." to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. In the face of all these dire events on the horizon, Habakkuk speaks of hope, and that in spite of it all, God will be his strength to make his feet like hinds' feet, and he will walk upon his high places. A hind is the type of deer that travels where men would fear to go, even on the cleft of the rocks, without fear or concern. This place called the Blessed Hope swallows all life's negative circumstances and can only be accessed by the born-again children of God. Have you yet to be born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Will today be your day of salvation, where your new name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life? Today, you can repent of your sins and confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All of your sins and shame will be forgiven, and all of Satan's bondage is broken. Today is your day of salvation if you make your move for Christ. This could be your last opportunity to make your peace with God. Follow this simple prompt. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Colossians chapter 1, 14 through 19, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. 
God said, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, "...hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds." God said, John chapter 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world, and certainly no judgment day. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature number 965 that will once again certify the supernatural veracity of God's Holy Bible. All of these powerful features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the building up of your faith and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of men. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. We are honored by your company. May the beautiful book be a lamp unto your path. The singularity of Christ is so completely all-encompassing, it staggers the mind to contemplate. What does Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 mean? For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All fullness dwells, all of creation, visible and invisible, dwells or lives inside Jesus Christ, for this pleases the Father. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and all that is in between. Christ Jesus is the singularity. He is God's creator of the earth and its universe and all its life forms. He is God's Savior for all who will call upon his name and inherit the promise of eternal life. He is the champion of Armageddon, where this wicked world as we know it ends, and Satan is bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. His cross will be the judge of all mankind and will dictate their eternity. He is the beginning and the end and everything in between. Jesus Christ is the singularity because this pleases the Father. In the first feature of this short series, we laid out the principle of the singularity. For those who clamor for proof and for those who sincerely seek proof, here it is. If you have not attended the first feature in this series, 21 Signs of Doomsday, Adam to Armageddon, stop and do so now. This short review of that feature is only meant to refresh the minds of those who have attended. The revelation of Jesus Christ, God's singularity, will become apparent and foundational because this pleases the Father. In the first feature, one paragraph reads, Colossians 1.19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. The fullness of all things lives, dwells, inside Jesus Christ. Nothing is happenstance in the Word of God. Everything has its place, everything has its purpose, and everything by necessity revolves around Jesus Christ. Every deed and every thought revolve around Jesus Christ. They are either pro-Christ or anti-Christ. A thought or deed that is good, wholesome, and true is pro-Christ. Those that are not are anti-Christ. He is the solution to every problem because every problem is the product of casting off Christ. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ, even today and yesterday are dated in his name, B.C. for before Christ, and the year of this writing, 2019 A.D., 2019 Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. 
We discovered that Jesus Christ is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John chapter 1, verse 9. When a student of the Scriptures sees a strange grouping of words, such as the ones just quoted from John chapter 1, he or she stops to consider and meditate, allowing the Holy Ghost to teach. Microbiologists were shocked to discover that when the sperm and egg come together, a flash of light shoots forth, marking and energizing the beginning of life. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. He is the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Jesus Christ is the singularity. God's Word teaches that we are literally made out of words. Revelation 19.13 speaks of Jesus Christ, excuse me, stating, and His name is called the Word of God. Scientists call your DNA the Book of Life. DNA houses a four-letter alphabet that dictates all of life's building instructions, structured in words, sentences, paragraphs, chapters, and volumes. Jesus Christ is known in Revelation as the Alpha and the Omega, the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet in every letter and the words they form in between. Jesus Christ is the singularity. When sin entered into the Garden of Eden, the law of sin and death began to reign. God's plan to reconcile the lost souls of men unto himself was set in motion. Not only was Jesus Christ God's creator of the universe, but this same Christ became God's Savior and Deliverer for the lost and bound sons and daughters of Adam. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, "...hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds." John three sixteen. "...for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life." From before time and onward, even into eternity, Jesus Christ is the singularity by which all things consist, because Colossians 1.19 reads, For it pleased the Father, that in him should all fullness dwell. After Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked, and sewed together fig leaves to make aprons, but that covering was insufficient. To cover Adam and Eve's nakedness, which represents the shameful results of sin, God made them clothes out of animal skins that would cover their nakedness. Note that a blood sacrifice was required to cover their sin. This blood sacrifice was not only the first offering for sin, but also a shadow of the sacrifice Jesus Christ would make on Calvary's tree which was to come. Jesus Christ is the singularity. Our daily conversations are laced with Jesus Christ. Some examples include... Atonement by the blood of Jesus Christ creates at-one-ment with God. Universe is universe or one word, God's word. Holiday comes from the words holy day. Goodbye comes from a contraction of God be with you. The pain on the cross of crucifixion was so severe, a new word was coined. That word is excruciating, which means out of the cross. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word bless has an etymological meaning uh, of to mark or affect in some way with blood or sacrifice, to consecrate. The original meaning, to make sacred or holy with blood, end of quote. When one says, God bless you, he or she is calling on the blood covering of Jesus Christ to be your portion. Jesus Christ is the language of God. Jesus Christ is the singularity.
Biology calls it laminin. It is an inert substance that acts like scaffolding, holding together all things in life, including our organs. The following is a picture of what it looks like. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Jesus Christ is the singularity. Hebrews 10, verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. The volume of the book revolves around Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24 teaches us that the Old Testament law was a schoolmaster bringing us unto Christ, who is the fulfillment of all things. Colossians 2.17 tells us Old Testament customs and observances were but a shadow of the Christ to come. Jesus speaks of the law and the prophets in Matthew 5.17, and he says this, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Everything revolves around Jesus Christ, every jot and every tittle. An excellent example of the fulfillment principle is seen in the Jewish Passover. The final plague that came upon Egypt, which triggered the full release of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, was the slaying of the firstborn of all of Egypt. The Hebrew people were instructed to sacrifice a lamb and to take its blood and apply it to the doorpost and lintel of their door. When the death angel passed over Egypt, that fateful night of the last plague, he slew the firstborn of all the land with the exception of those who, had, uh, who were within dwellings where the blood was applied. The death angel was commanded to pass over dwellings where he saw the blood had been applied, hence the term Passover. God's people were commanded to remember the Passover continually, which all Christians do as the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion, which commemorates the Last Supper and the crucifixion of the Jewish Messiah. The Hebrew people were delivered from Egyptian bondage as a result of the last plague and the death angel seeing the blood applied and thus passing over the obedient. This event foreshadowed the coming Christ, who with his shed blood reconciled unto God all who believed upon his name. Jesus Christ is the full fulfillment excuse me, of the Passover. When the death angel sees the blood applied to the doorpost and lintel of your heart, he must pass over. John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Jesus Christ was crucified on the Jewish Passover. When Satan sees the blood of redemption applied to the doorpost and lintel of your heart, he must pass over you. Christians the world over observe the fulfillment of the Passover. Nothing is happenstance in the Word of God. Everything has its place, everything has its purpose, and everything by necessity revolves around Jesus Christ. Abraham, Isaac, and the ram caught in the thicket by his horns on Mount Moriah will make this point ever so clear.
The plan of eternal salvation begins here, and the end of the world literally takes place here. Watch for the singularity. Abraham is known in the Scriptures as the father of faith and also the father of Israel. In him is found God's plan of salvation. From his loins sprang forth Isaac, from Isaac came Jacob, and from Jacob came the twelve tribes. Of the twelve tribes is Judah, from which Jesus Christ came forth. The purpose of the Hebrew nation was to bring forth a Messiah. The word Messiah is translated from Greek to English as Christ, and Greek Messiah is Christos. See John chapter 1, verse 41. The world, past, present, and future, turns on an event that took place 4,000 years ago between God, Abraham, and Isaac in Genesis 22:13 through 18. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. This feature will discuss in particular the ram's horns of Abraham and Isaac that were caught in the thicket and how pervasive a role they play in Holy Scripture. The famed Jewish shofar is a ram's horn, and it was blown at the walls of Jericho, Joshua 6, verse 4. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. The Jewish shofar marked feast days. It was blown on the Day of Atonement and in the Jubilee year to signal the release of slaves and debts. The shofar, the ram's horn trumpet, is blown to announce the new year and to commemorate the anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve. The ram's horn was blown as the trumpet of war. The shofar was also used to contain the anointing oil, which God's prophet Samuel used to anoint kings. You'll find the symbolism of the ram's horns on the altar of sacrifice. Holman's Bible Dictionary reports, Horn-like projections were built onto the corners of the altar of burnt offerings in the temple and in tabernacles. The horns were smeared with the blood of the sacrifice, served as binding posts for the sacrifice, and were clung to for safety from punishment, end of quotes. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, part two, a ram caught in the thicket and Armageddon. Genesis chapter 22, verse 2 through 13. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. 
And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand to, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. In the covenant event between God and Abraham, which took place 4,000 years ago, the shadowing of the Christ to come is purposefully dominant. A few examples are offered for your consideration. Abraham is known as the father of faith, and the covenant he entered into with God is the foundation of the plan of salvation. Students of God's book know that Abraham, Abram at the time, had a son prior to Isaac. He had a son with Sarah's Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. At this time, Sarah's name was Sarai. Hagar uh, had birthed a child named Ishmael, but Ishmael was not included in God's covenant with Abraham. So how does Isaac become an only begotten? Consider the following passages. Romans chapter 9, 6 through 8. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Those who are born of the Spirit of God, which Jesus calls born again, these are called the children of God, the children of the promise, the children of the seed. Hebrews eleven seventeen and 18, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. When God pronounces his covenant with Abraham, he changes Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham and Abraham's wife Sarai's name to Sarah, demonstrating the new covenant that would be established in Isaac, a covenant not of the law, but a covenant of promise and grace, a covenant of faith. Abraham's only begotten son Isaac is not a contradiction. God counts by the seed, and the seed is Christ. Galatians 3.16, Now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. Jesus Christ is the singularity. In the shadow example, Abraham represents God, and Isaac represents Jesus, both only begotten sons. The ram is the substitute for Isaac, and Christ is the substitute for us, 
forgiving, forgiving and delivering us from our sins, even our propitiation. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. Abraham saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham's only begotten son Isaac was spared because God has supplied the sacrifice, and the sacrifice in the fulfillment of the shadow was Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son. We highlighted ram's horns and how prevalently they represent, uh, represented in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the horns are ever present at Calvary. The ram couldn't escape from Abraham because he was caught by his horns in the thicket. If Jesus Christ was to fulfill the will of God, he would not have been able to escape Calvary. In agony, Jesus prays to his father in Mark fourteen thirty-two through 41. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch. And he went forward a little, and fell on the ground, and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Again he went, and again, excuse me, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he had returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest, it is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. It was Jesus' decision to drink of his prophetic cup that the Father had given him. He could have walked away from the horrors of the cross. In the garden, in Matthew twenty-six fifty-three uh, through 54, Jesus says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? Jesus was caught in the thicket. Again, Mark fourteen thirty-six, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, what I will, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Jesus Christ was bound to the horns of the altar. He was the sacrifice that broke Satan's stranglehold upon all who would, who would and will believe upon his name. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Jesus was caught in the thicket, and he willingly chose the Father. He willingly chose us. A brother in Christ, after hearing the teaching on the ram caught in the thicket by his horns, commented that the crown of thorns on Jesus' head represented the struggle in the thickets. The crown of thorns was not just happenstance. Abraham built an altar of rock upon the foundation rock of Mount Moriah, and this is where Jesus Christ was judged condemned, and then crucified on Calvary. 
This is where King David's son, King Solomon, built the Hebrew temple in Jerusalem. Second Chronicles 3, verse 1, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. Jewish sages claim that Mount Moriah, the temple mount in Jerusalem, contains the foundation stone of the world and its universe, which is also the very stone upon which Abraham lay Isaac upon to sacrifice. It is central to the Holy of Holies in the temple. Jewish writings declare it as the place of the binding of Isaac by Abraham. King David purchased this land for the building of the first Jewish temple. As a result of Israel's sin, the first temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and later rebuilt. The second temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Roman general Titus. The third temple, the third temple, is soon to be rebuilt, and the Isaac stone will drive the very battle of Armageddon. This rock represents the seed of Abraham, and that seed is Christ. The end of the world happens at Jerusalem. Mount Moriah, Abraham and Isaac were the shadow of Christ to come, and the place where the world as we know it ends at the great battle of Armageddon, where Jesus Christ vanquishes the power of darkness. Watch how the beginning and the end are woven into a rock on top of Mount Moriah. 1. The ram is the substitute for, the shadow of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, who is the propitiation for our sins. 2. Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation and the rock of sacrifice atop Mount Moriah. 3. The ram's horns shadow the horns of the altar, to which the sin sacrifice was tied and then offered up for sin. Number 4. The ram caught in the thicket shadows the crucifixion, and Christ's crown of thorns. Number five, the shofar, the horn of God, is a ram's horn. Number six, Mount Moriah and the rock upon which Isaac was laid is the center of the universe. Number seven, Mount Moriah is, tri is tied and central to Armageddon. Jesus Christ is the singularity. Everything lives and exists inside him, for this pleases the Father. Next week, the singularity for this world will become ominously close. God said, Colossians 1, 14 through 19, "...and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers." All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. God said, Hebrews 1, 2, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. God said, John chapter 8, verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Man said, These foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. 
There is no end to this world and certainly no judgment day. Now you have the record. <laughs>